Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today on Dispatches from the Verge, David and I sit down and talk about uh, this idea of amateur versus professional in the spiritual and religious world, as well as uh, not taking ourselves too seriously. So we have some fun with it, and uh, yeah. But before we get into that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering for these episodes. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background uh, during the intro and outro. If you'd like to learn more about Desert Rain uh, community or... uh, interested in any of david's writings check out theruined.com for past episodes at drcrpod.com you can also find our other series road to desert rain uh, that we published during june and we'll be alternating with um, the episodes of dispatches from the verge Uh, please tell a friend if you enjoy what you're hearing word of mouth and social media is huge for us we appreciate you and let's get into it Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, If you're hearing this, we're in the month of July. We're jumping back in from, uh, we'll be alternating uh, the road to Desert Rain. As as some of you have heard those episodes during the month of June, and now we're back and uh, we'll be shuffling those together, road to Desert Rain and, and conversations with David and I. And uh, today, one of the things we want to uh, explore and visit um, on the first episode, David, you and I, uh, I read a story to you uh, that you had introduced to me. Um, and is is the is that story on the website? The about the hidden nights. Yes. Okay. It's on. I think I sarcastically posted it 15 years ago as nice. a mission statement, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So, yeah. Um, so if you want to go revisit that story, check out theruin.com. Um, we visited, we recently visited it uh, the first, June 1st, that episode. Yeah. Um, and, we, and so we, we today we kind of want to look at that in the sense of... Um, our vocation, yeah. Our uh, our well, actually, it's pretty funny. Our quote unquote mission statement. Uh, you know, we can kind of, you know, you put it up sarcastically, but I kind of, I kind of think it fits. Twenty years removed, or fifteen years removed, or whatever it is. Yeah, it still plays the it. essence yeah. of Desert Rain. I think so. And so maybe you can, we can kind of, we're going to explore the topic basically of professionals versus amateurs yeah Um, yeah that's a good idea yeah mission statement we give a parable mm -hmm. that's really good yeah and so adding my 30 year old self (laughs) (laughs) good job good job morrison (laughs) good job 30 year old self i didn't think you had it in you (laughs) but but maybe that's where the jumping off point is like this story about the emeralds it was an emerald right yeah yeah yeah, emeralds a vein of of emeralds yeah right Give some context to all that too, maybe. I don't, oh, I don't know if we did that last time. It's been so yeah. But go ahead and do. If if people haven't heard that episode yet, they can go back. But okay. Yeah, give some context on. Yeah, that story a little bit. It's uh, you know when you spend your time. When you really give yourself intentionally to prayer and contemplative practices, strange things can begin to happen. You'll start seeing. Uh, Themes come to the surface. You'll start, uh, you know, and they look like, you know, a series of coincidences will begin to happen. You'll meet people, you know, things just start happening when you, when you give yourself to prayer. And, uh, and so that's what we were doing. You know, we were, uh, we were a praying church, uh, back in the late nineties. And, um, and so this, yeah, so I had, semi-mystical, I don't know if 
you'd call it semi or full mystical. I don't even know what that means. Right. Mystical experience. Uh, and I don't remember if we discussed this or not, but I, I was a, I was teaching at the time, and uh, and we had taken a group of middle school kids to uh, the copper refinery mm. in El Paso, and the fire was uh, of the, of the smelter was green because of the copper. Oh right! And it was right. A, a, an emerald flame, and it was just this amazing. We were, you know, even the middle school kids, we were all just kind of blown away, mesmerized by this green flame. And so then I had a sense, you know, later in a poetic sense that that, that was the jealous fire of God. Mm. And and uh and you know, I was I was much more dramatic back then. And so I went around saying that uh if I die in total obscurity and and totally broken. But I'll have this green fire within me, um, so I'll die in divine pleasure, uh, with jealousy for God's ways and purposes for this, for this region, right? This city. So that's kind of a little bit of an intense young man, <laughs> a little <wasn't> bit. <laughs> and that's the way I saw it then, and and so emerald, the emerald fire, kind of became a theme, and we would talk about it a lot. We'd pray it, became a part of our vocabulary and the mm -hmm. ethos of our little church, and. Um, and then, so, yeah, so along the lines, I was, uh, there, there was this thing called the internet. Uh, the wild, back, wi then. <laughs> back when it was still the wild, wild yeah. west. And oh, I just days. happened on a news article. Uh, it, it was so strange because uh, an emerald, uh, the, the King James Version translation of emerald is mm. hiddenite. Oh, and, interesting. I don't think we touched on that. Yeah, so so a hiddenite is the same thing as an emerald, and and so right out of the news, these parable this parable just sh showed up on mm -hmm. my computer screen uh, of Windows uh, ninety eight. Yeah, this was uh, before the algorithms <laughs> tracked us and yeah, gave us targeted recorded branding. Our, <laughs> yeah, we didn't have cell phones and that kind of stuff to record our conversations. So I just yeah, so this parable, and it was uh, I believe the city, the town was in. Uh, either North or South Carolina. It was in the, the South. I and the town was called Hiddenite. Yeah. Interesting. And basically this guy inherited a, a piece of property, I think from his parents that had a, a defunct mineral or uh, emerald mm. mine on it. And one day he just got bored and took a pickaxe and said, well, what the hell? And he found an entire vein of, of emerald and, uh, you know, and it was kind of a, his parents, I think, were running it as kind of a tourist trap. Right, you could People pay. could go dig around, yeah. yeah. But he found this giant vein. And then he was, and then the quote in the in the news uh, item was very prophetic for me. It said, uh, or parabolic. And he said, I'm going to be working on this one vein the rest of my life. And so, so I, I, you know, I translated that as, or interpreted that as the divine revelations of God, yeah. the secrets of God, uh, the treasures of of God, and so that that became a, a major theme. Th those tre those treasures of God being the vein you would be working on, right? The, rest the of emerald your life. fire and yeah. hiddenite, and this idea also. I was I was at that time in my twenties. There was a a uh, prophetically gifted Pentecostal preacher. He was a defunct. Uh, uh, evangel tent revival evangelist mm, right, in the forties, right. and kind of had a revival of his ministry with the vineyard in the in the eighties. His name okay. was Paul Kane, and I was taken by one of his themes that he would teach on, which was he was prophesying that uh, God was raising up a generation that was mm. faceless, that God would use. They wouldn't become superstars. They wouldn't become rich. They uh, off of the gospel. They would just be these these hidden people mm. and and that, that just really captured my imagination at the time and, and still has. Yeah. Mm. It's become kind of our uh, philosophy, I guess, of ministry of way of doing things. Uh, so, so hidden eyed and emerald, these kinds mm. of the play on words. And so that kind of stuff will happen as you give yourself intentionally uh, with greater effort into, you know, for prayer Um uh, Weird shit will start to happen, <laughs> and it and, yeah, and it does. It yeah, does. it really does. And, yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's you don't have to 
attach your identity to it and say, oh, I must, I'm in touch with the supernatural by God. No, you're just a, it's just the way things are. And what, and I think, I mean, this, (laughs) this is my interpretation of that is that those things are always going on constantly. Yeah. But when you engage in silence, when you engage in prayer, there you become aware of exactly. those things. It's I think you and I talked about it. It might have been the Eucharist episode that uh, we released in May, where we talk about uh, us being able to to uh, perceive the divine. Mm-hmm. And then being like, oh God, you showed up. Let me let me show yeah. you, let me show you what I've been doing. Yeah. And God was there the whole time. Yeah, exactly. It's that we notice that God is there. And I think those yeah. those strange, some people, you know, call them coincidences or whatever else, all that kind of stuff is always happening. Yeah. Are we aware? Are we present to the moment to be to recognize them? Exactly. Back in the day when we were took ourselves more seriously, we called them divine appointments. There you go. That's what we called it. There you go. Yeah, that's not pretentious. So, but yeah, not pretentious <laughs> at all. Not taking ourselves uh, too seriously. But yeah, I think uh, another saying that we've had at that time, I don't know who, it was a quote from somebody, probably a televangelist, I don't know. Right. <laughs> uh, that the miracle of, of Moses wasn't that there was a bush uh, on fire mm. and and not being consumed. That wasn't the miracle. The miracle right. was that Moses noticed it. Yeah, and he, so that was yeah. Or William Blake. I've been thinking about him. He was uh, the godfather of of romanticism, mm-hmm. uh, English romanticism uh, in the 1700s. And he, when he was a, he was he was a mystic. And when he was a child, he he encountered a tree that was lit up with mm-hmm. angels and with an angelic presence. And he was so excited, he ran home and told his dad. And was and and his dad uh, told him, if you tell lies like that again, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, I think we did talk so, about that one in the Eucharist one. Did we? Okay, yeah. yeah so, yeah. And just how I think you equated it to, we notice this stuff as children. And oh, okay, we're, yeah. We're trained yeah. And, and disciplined, so to speak. Exactly. To, to not notice it anymore, to avoid noticing it. Yeah. It's probably a better way to put it. Forgive me for retelling tales out of school. <laughs> so so to get back sort of on the um so with that idea of this um yeah. mining a specific vein. Right. Um and sort of that becoming your life's work and and just sort of pivoting into this idea of of not not to take away from any any sort of idea of of professional ministry or or professional um what you know whatever right. you know but this idea of of being um an amateur uh keeping the the beginner's mindset yeah. um do doing something for the love of of whatever it may be and and just sort of how how, how do you see that um, at your time here in Desert Rain, and and maybe even like maybe that was even something before you guys ended up at yeah. Desert Rain, you know, and and just uh, sort of that idea. Yeah, that's been an important idea in my life, mm-hmm. which is uh, again, and it's not an anti-intellectualism, and it's not an anti-professionalism, but it's just the choice that I made. Yeah, right. Which, which is, uh, you know, and, and it's part of Pentecostal tradition and early evangelicals. Uh, there, uh, you, you received a call. It was a mystical mm. experience to go preach the gospel. I think John Wesley talked about that too. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. someone would get uh, touched, if you will. Their heart would get strangely warmed in a in a meeting. There would mm. be some sort of sometimes strange phenomenon would would occur and. And the and the person would get up off the floor and say, "I'm called to go preach," and they would. They would ordain that Pentecostals in in their even in their their the foolishness that they can engage mm-hmm. in it so many times. This is why I love them and and don't love them. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, they ordain children. You know. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh okay. Probably not so much to, in today's world, but you know, there so was a time where that was common. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a 
you know, the, the early disciples were not uh, were chosen. Mm-hmm. It seems to me they were that Christ chose them because they were outside of the religious system, including himself. Oh, right. Uh, they, yeah, he didn't bring he didn't bring on any established rabbis no. at the time. Nicodemus would have been a great asset to his team, to his corporate team, to his uh, and, ministry team. Yeah, and he and he doesn't choose him. Uh, right. So chooses these. Uh, these ruffians and uh, fishermen and right. uh, ze- political zealots, uh, Com- common people. Yeah, exactly. And and so and he himself was outside of the temple system and definitely outside of the Pharisee mm-hmm. uh, club. And um, and so th- there's we can't ignore that, right? You know, and it's like Richard Rohr points out. It's almost like we uh, went out of our way to do the exact opposite of what Jesus mm-hmm. taught. You know, he, yeah. he literally said, don't take the, the best seat. And we, we in all of our church meetings, there's always a best, right. the best seat. <laughs> uh, he said, don't put long tassels on your, on your tunic. And, and boom, you know, right. we went right to it. There's a rumor that one of the Cardinals in New York City, I think Cardinal Speldman back in the 60s, the train of his uh, robe was so big it took up the backseat of a taxi cab. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Like, yeah, you know. And so, yeah, so so that had always, even though I I had the opportunity and I and I did go to university, I chose not to to study uh, theology or to go into that the professional realm. I felt much uh, more called to be in the in the classroom. Uh, and studying a wider range. Of and what, what did you arts. study at university? I think we covered in the past. Yeah, I, so I, I took a degree in English and American mm. literature because I'm all about uh, making money, being successful <laughs> you're a in very, life. You're a very ambitious man, David <laughs> Very <Morrison>. ambitious. <laughs> it got me out of math. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where's math? I'll do the exact opposite. What do I need to do? Uh, and so, yeah, so there was, so that tradition. And that did lead you to the classroom, just to sort of yeah, yeah yeah exactly so I was uh you know so when, when we were pastoring the church on the on in the east of, of El Paso I was not a full time professional uh, I was teaching school and the church met at the school that I taught at so what do you, what, but you from the conversations you and I have had and I think we've established it pretty well you guys invested a lot of time in the church so yeah it, you were working there full time. Yeah, as far as clock hours, yeah. <laughs> so, so what did you mean? It wasn't. Uh, I wasn't being paid. Is what I really? Mean. Yeah, yeah. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't a. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. So that's that defines me as what you'd call a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're, you know, foolish late- Morrison, they don't call him <laughs> foolish Morrison for nothing. <laughs> Who works for free? A fool. So that's me. So, and- so okay. So I thought the time. I thought. So this is my my. I, I guess it was just an assumption at this point is that when you guys had an actual physical church, you, you, you were paid for the, as, as the lead pastor or whatever. Yeah. And then when you moved out here, that, that had changed or shifted, but that's not the no, case. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I felt like, well, I didn't need it because I was okay. getting a teaching oh, salary. Right, 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 right. And secondly, uh, you know, in teachers, we get paid so well. The big bucks. Yeah, the big bucks. <laughs> I, so I know so. My mom was a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> so teaching made me independently wealthy. <laughs> right. Uh, and and there was also a little bit of a, uh, probably a, my dad's personality in me mm. of of not wanting to be controlled Okay. Uh, by a board. Yeah. People telling me, you know, that joke wasn't appropriate for a church sermon and, and people just, well, well, but they tried to do that anyway and handle me and the whole thing. And well, know, it's so. that, and, and I think that's very, and they common. meant well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I they think, meant well, they had my better interest in mind, but I think it's I very, didn't. I very common because, and I think we've covered it here, but I, I, I did bookkeeping for a couple of different churches. And so I would, so I saw the donations. So I saw who was giving, what amount of money? Yeah, and my office, and this is two separately different churches. <laughs> yeah, two politically di- totally different traditions, right? <laughs> politically, yeah. not. I'm not going to say what they. You know, <laughs> actually, I think we've covered it, but politically couldn't be more different. And it was very interesting how the names that were on top of the donation uh, list for the year end 
were also the people that seemed to spend the most time in and around the head pastor's office. Yep. It was a very interesting correlation uh, to witness. Exactly. So, so I can understand that, uh, yeah, when people start giving money, they also yeah. want to be able to, to give their two cents. And we, we never took an offering either. Well, I was uncomfortable with that. Mm. Passing the plate, that's very uncomfortable. Really? So what, what yeah. did you guys do? We put uh, some baskets in the back. Okay. Would say, you know, throw your... If you feel called. Throw your filthy mammon in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we tell them, look, we need to, you know, if there was a specific need... Because you were... Because just... we were paying a lot of money to, to have church. I was going to say, you you paid the school to so, yeah. access the building, right? Yeah, several yeah. thousand dollars a month. Yeah, it was okay. very... And it was an expensive operation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we did have bills to pay uh, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was, you know... Again, we're in our late 20s, early 30s, and we're very uh, uh, Pentecostally minded. So we were very filled with the energy of the Spirit. Right, right, right. And so uh, we were highly motivated. It's all our ego. But anyway, uh, yeah, and it was a, quite an operation. I mean, we had to pack everything up, you know, the sound stuff, the kids stuff. Uh, yeah. Know, and then throw I it into a storage unit and then. And you'd have to pay monthly for the storage yeah, unit. Exactly. So I can't. I, I think it was Greg's uh, road to Desert Rain. He talked about having uh, either gotten. Oh no, it was Deanna talking about the trailer that someone built. Oh, that's right. Yeah. To help with the getting everything between yeah. the school and the um, the storage unit. Yeah, they were, you know, when you have the steels involved, it's going to be a well-run. Uh, efficient operation yeah yeah and they were the ones that came up they had seen a movie around that time i think shortly when we came out here i i because they we, we watched the opposite of movies mm -hmm, right and so they watched i think it was a golf movie or something <laughs> the life of and bagger lance or something i don't know what it was but it was ab about professionals versus amateurs oh and and they broke down the word amateur which in latin means you do it for the love of the game Interesting. And a professional, you do it for as a profession to be paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so we they were very excited, and, and I remember that, and we we own that word. We're amateur ministers mm. by choice. And this was when, right when you started the church, or when you started Desert Rain. I, I don't remember. Okay, it, yeah, it doesn't. I think matter. it was it when matter. we first came out here. I think it was language that defined why we were doing what mm, we were doing. And, okay, and so we felt. Uh, connected to that word. Yeah, and, and affirmed. I think okay. we felt affirmed by that. In other words, because we didn't, we, here we were operating as an as amateurs, mm -hmm. an amateur ministry, and usually the expectation is uh, we'll work towards becoming a professional ministry, if you will. Mm. But we didn't really want to do that. And coming out here was kind of our amateur hour uh uh, reveal extravaganza, <laughs> yeah. Reveal party. So, so we realized, yeah, we don't want to be in that business, and and now we have some language for it, and mm -hmm. we're going to own it. We're just going to, you know, be open about it. Yeah, we're amateurs. We do it for the love of, uh, of of serving mm. God, and uh, and there's ego mixed up in that. So you know, don't get me wrong. We're, this isn't a pure, you know, and not getting paid. There was, like I said, there was the. The ego of not wanting to be controlled mm -hmm. by people and, and not being subject to that. And there's, you know, that I don't paint that as necessarily a virtue. I think it's a very virtuous thing for a pastor to submit to a church like that. And, you know, do you uh, think you saw it as a virtue at the time? Probably, yeah. Because mm -hmm. my mentor, uh, one of my main mentors, my main man, uh, Ernie Nedia, who just passed away a couple yeah. of months ago. Uh, yeah, his model for ministry was the movie Tombstone <laughs> at the time, and and I, I was call, you know I think he called me Doc, so it was, nice. so we kind of had attitudes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had a biker church out here in Chaparral, and and, and so to kind of to kind of wrap up that idea though, so maybe you saw it as a virtue at the time, you know, you you've you have a different perspective of it. Now, yeah, fifty two. It would have been nice to have a four hundred one k, whatever they call <laughs> yeah, those <yeah>. things. <laughs> a retirement, a little nest egg. I'd still be broke with medical bills and the whole thing. Right. But you know, it's all money's just a weird thing. Yeah, it's and, a weird energy for. And sure. I've always had a strange, uncomfortable relationship with money. Anyway, mm. it's it's neurotic. It's a neurotic, weird thing about me, quirk. 
I don't like talking about it. That's interesting because I've noticed that about you. Yeah. But you, I don't think we, you and I have ever talked about it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just, I'm weird with money. Yeah. Uh, I'm not good with it and I'm weird with it. Uh, and so it's just something. It's just part of your makeup. Yeah. 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 So um, how did you see that, Matt? Once you had some words for, you know, you talked about the movie, the Steels had brought up. Once you, yeah. Once you had some words for it, did that um, kind of allow your mind to wrap around that and, uh, and articulate it a little bit differently? Or what, what was that evolution? Yeah, like it was, it was probably more of a clarity because we were already using the Hiddenite. We're the Hiddenites. Oh, okay, okay. So we're people of prayer. Uh, the verse in Colossians, uh, you're hidden. That, that, that always captured my imagination. Even as a teenager, that phrase, your, your life is hidden mm. in Christ. What a, what a strange phrase. And and so what is this hidden life of Christ, you know? And, yeah, and so if, if you sign into social media today, people aren't hidden in Christ. They're either no, way for it or exactly. way against it. <laughs> and there's, you know, and then there's the the teaching of Jesus. It's he contradicts himself in the mm-hmm. gospels. One, he says, Don't hide your light under a, you know, a barrel, a bushel, whatever, a lampshade. Never knew what a bushel was. Uh, it sounds like something to catch on fire. You hit, <laughs> yeah. hit a light under it. Uh, you know, and let people see your good works. And then and then in other verses, he says, uh, don't do your good works in front of people to see, yeah. but do it for your heavenly father. He talks and about so, getting in the closet to pray. Exactly. Yeah. These hidden pla- And he modeled that. He went to these lonely mm-hmm. places, hidden places. Uh, the hidden people in the gospels themselves are the most interesting to me. Uh, like the, the wedding feast at Cana, uh, the servants. Mm. So it says that no one knew uh, how the wa- the water was changed to wine or who did it, but the servants knew. Mm. They knew. They had this hidden life. Uh, when Jesus sends out to go get his uh, to go ride an ass into Jerusalem, <laughs> right? Uh, his big coming home. He ceremony. Tells his boys, you know, go go to this street and uh, pick it up. And if the people there say something, then tell them the master needs it and they'll let you. So he's hidden. He had the, mm-hmm. he had this like almost a double life, you know, yeah. <laughs> like maybe he was a juggler somewhere and, <laughs> you know, and uh, on the streets. He knew the right people to talk to. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to be those people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there weren't always, there weren't Franciscans when Francis was walking around. Right. <laughs> so that stuff becomes, so go do what the spirit's telling you to do. It's a very Pentecostal uh, and it is sloppy, and it is can be dangerous, and it can be uh, completely foolish. But I think you you know there's there's some merit to what is the spirit telling you to do, and go do it. Um, well, and I think that it kind of goes back to the conversation we had a few minutes ago about noticing, yeah, those weird, mysterious things around us. I've I've noticed as I've gotten. Uh, deeper into prayer, deeper into meditation, those um, inkling, you know, nudgings from God or yeah. the spirit or just some people call it intuition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those things seem Serendipity. To, to grow stronger uh, or maybe, you know, or maybe it's just my awareness towards them are stronger. Yeah. And it's it's very interesting, that idea of following the spirit, following where you're called, yeah. uh, following what, what uh, brings you life. And if you're lucky, you have a community around you to tell you, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to mm. stand on a, a, a flagpole for uh, three months, <laughs> which there have been saints that did that kind of crazy stuff. There was a guy that stood on a pillar in the wow. ancient church for, I think, a couple of years, you know, uh, you know, and saint, and there's, there's a, you know, not all the, the saints, so to speak, you know, we call them, we, we, we uh, sanctify them and, and, uh, and lift them up, but there there were some mental illnesses going on as well. Well, and usually they don't get risen. A lot of times, they don't get the acclaim until they're dead. Exactly. And, pro- and usually they've been yeah. dead for a while. Exactly. And so, yeah. And so I'm. So you just got to You got to try it out. And if you're if you're lucky, like I said, you you'll have a community that'll uh, give you some direction. You know. And put a finer point on it, perhaps. Or yeah, and I, and I think that's that's to weave back to this idea of being an amateur. When you're an amateur, you have a little bit more 
bill or maybe a lot more ability to take risks. Exactly, because you've got less to lose. Yeah, if you're if you're a professional and you're you're you know you're relying on that paycheck, and this is in this is in anything, right? You know, so here's here's an example that I. I thought it was funny, but I also thought I understood the reason behind it. So I read an article about LeBron James. For any of you that don't know, he plays basketball. For the LA um, Lakers. For the Los Angeles <laughs> With Anthony Lakers. Davis. <laughs> and in the article, it said something to the, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it, of, it said, uh, it talked about him refusing to say, whether he had gotten the COVID-19 vaccination or not. Mm, yeah, that's right. And it kind of reminded me of the time when someone was being critical of Michael Jordan and they said something about Republicans and he said, well, Republicans buy tennis shoes too. Yeah. And it, it just, in this context, it made me think there's a big industry out there saying, don't get vaccinated. The government, you know, the government's trying to do right. things. And there's just an equally as large or um, industry saying you got to get vaccinated. Yeah. You got, you know, you got to take these shots, blah, blah, blah. And and you so and I are probably have, right. <laughs> you and I have talked off air, like, but at least we live in a country where you get a choice. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and so it just yeah. it's so interesting that something as simple, seemingly simple to me as a vaccination, someone that's getting paid millions of dollars and would be affected with millions of dollars right. if, if he fell in one camp or the other. But if you're an amateur, you can just go around. And be like, yeah, yeah. I got the vaccine or I didn't get the vaccine. Yeah, I got or, my Moderna. You know, I, I might I might get the vaccine. I might not. You know, you, you have a little bit more leeway with your yeah, words exactly. a lot more leeway really but it, it just it's funny once that once you've become a professional and a highly successful yeah. one too there's uh financial consequences for the things you do or don't do yeah exactly and so yeah so the it's that's the kickback i suppose you know and and i and i you know and i like the quaker tradition because they don't recognize formal professional mm, clergy right and i think uh they're they're centuries ahead of their time you know and they haven't done they've done that they've been doing that for ages yeah like it's not well, a new thing from or the inception like yeah. yeah um so there's something to be said for that because mm -hmm. then you're not gatekeeping uh for the ideas and the values and the you know we got to protect the 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 ethos of our organization you mm -hmm. know and i think it's paul tillich i believe a lutheran theologian who defined evil as the more organized an entity mm. gets, the more the greater the capacity for evil, doing evil. So the more organized the church gets, right. uh, the more possibility of evil things like children being exploited and and uh, molested and it being covered up. Um, looking at you, Christianity in, in the <laughs> world. Uh, and so, yeah. So those, those things should be taken into consideration. Yeah, and I, and I think kind of going back to that idea you mentioned when you were talking about people following the spirit and having a community around them to help to help navigate yeah. that. You know, I, I know I've I've had that personally, but going back to what you just said about the Quakers, it's it's a tight it's a tight community, and they even yeah. have a process where you yeah. you go to a group of people and discern clearness There's, committee. Mm, yeah, you discern things together. Yeah, and there's that great story about Parker Palmer. I, we did a mm -hmm. podcast yep. on him where he was offered, a, I think, a university and, position yeah. of some sort. And it would have meant uh, a lot of prestige for him. And mm -hmm. and so he went to his clearness committee, and, and they sat with it and talked about it and sat with it and practiced silence together on it. Or as, as we'd say in our charismatic way, they prayed on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then they they discerned that really all he wanted was his name in the newspaper. Mm. So they they all put their money together and took out a little ad and gave him a little accolade in the local newspaper. And they, and he didn't take the job. Yeah. And so well, and I think the beautiful thing too is that the clearness committee isn't a committee to tell you what to do. No. So kind of going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with like the church board. Right, telling you like, oh, you don't tell that joke or tell that joke. Yeah, or yeah. Be more, you talk know, more about money. Top. Yeah, 
bring in the Financial Peace University into your church and, yeah, Dave vote, and voting guides. Speaking of that, before you say anything <laughs> negative of Dave Ramsey, if you're looking for a, uh, to sponsor a podcast, Mr. <laughs> Ramsey. Um, no, but the Clearlist Committee is for you to, at the end of the day, you the individual still makes the choice. Yeah, they must. The clearness committee is just there to to support you in discerning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I if think you come to yeah, yeah, yeah. To, so you come to your own decision because the Quaker uh, idea is really. Let me say it this way: there, there's there's another theologian I forgot who who said it, but basically identified three models of church structure mm. in the New Testament. The one is the Peter. Uh, Petrine model of, of <laughs> Peter, which is a top-down hierarchy of authority. Okay, which I would say is in common in modern day. That's the common one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why certain churches claim the throne of Peter, right, and the keys of Peter. And then, and then you have the second, which would be Pauline or Paul, uh, who his churches seem to be set up uh, charismatically. In other words. The gift and charisma or, or mm. a charism is a is a gift. So different people have different giftings and they function in those. Okay. And so it's it's a more democratic more kind of decentralized. Yeah, and it's functional. But there's a third that's been completely ignored, except by maybe the Quakers, which is they they call it the 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 John's structure or Johannine. You got those German theologians in there. Uh which is the spirit is in everyone, and and you know there's there's in the in First John it says you don't need anyone to teach you. It says that it says don't don't call anyone your teacher, uh, because the spirit is in you, and the spirit will teach you what you need to know. A little that's, known, a, that's a dangerous model, right? Well, I was going to say a little known fact about that model is right after John wrote that out, the Pope came and killed him. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just <laughs> Threw him in prison. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's of, it, that's if yeah. if you're if you're running. Any kind of organization that's trying to gain power and prestige and yeah. money or, you know, um, standing in the community, uh, yeah. that that verse, uh, not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's problematic for your chasing of, of wealth and prestige. Yeah, and you'll never hear that verse uh, quoted unless, unless it's uh, someone holding on to power and they use that verse to give themselves power. <laughs> uh. But yeah, and so and Quakers have taken that seriously yeah. in their tradition and in history, and and I think it's 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 an important concept and idea. Well, you know, the, the argument is, well, you're going to have chaos, and you're not going to. Well, yeah, probably, uh, but the spirit can take care of chaos. You see it in in the the book of Genesis, right? The the world was formless and void. There was chaos, and the spirit of God hovered like a wind over it. Mm. So, you know, God's well, not surprised or, you know, troubled and, by that. And I, I think it's funny because I, I I don't, I hope we haven't covered this already, but it reminds me of the, the recovery model where it's a yeah, pretty decentralized sure. uh, situation. And, and um, one of the stories, uh, so there, there was a, uh, there's a, a book called uh, 12, um, the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And it outlines, it goes through and outlines the 12 steps. And then it, it also goes through and, and outlines the 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. But one of the stories in that book, it, it talks about, there was a guy who he, he'd basically gotten on fire with all this 12 step stuff. And so he wanted to start, he wanted to open a building and on one floor, there would be like a hospital to help people detox. Mm. On, on another floor, it would be more like um, uh, like a university or, or school set up where you would learn, you know, you could learn learn stuff, whether it was like a, a trade or something to, yeah. to help you out in the community. And then um, th there would be like a third floor for a space for um, 12-step meetings and, you know, like a coffee bar where places could hang out. And... So he wrote this, you know, he wrote up this whole idea and, and sort of rallied the the people in the town. And uh, then they started making rules. They started making all these right, rules right. For, to try to keep the chaos and disorder out. And and before before they got to the rules, the the there's a um, 
GSO, which is sort of like uh, it's AA headquarters, but it's headquarters in the sense that like they don't tell you what you can and can't do. You can reach out to them and ask them questions and they'll say, in our experience, we've seen X, Y and Z happen. And our suggestion is to try this this solution for that. Mm. But because each group is autonomous, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And so this this big great idea ends up collapsing and and <laughs> not working out. Surprise, surprise. And so he writes the GSO and just um, there famously there were uh, sixty one rules that they had come up with to try to make this thing work. And and so he sends a little a little note and all it said on it was rule sixty two. And when you opened it, it said, "Don't take yourself so seriously." Ah, that's a great rule sixty two. Yeah. And so if you, that if, you, if, you <laughs> if you if you run into a into a 12 stepper and probably, you know, if you ask them what rule 62 is, they'll probably, wow. you know, this idea of not taking yourself That's too seriously. Very good. Yeah. yeah. That's and so it, important. And it re- just remind me of, you know, what you're saying now is like uh, there there needs to be some levity. Yeah. In my in my in my estimation to the seriousness of prayer and because those things yeah. are serious. Sure. But you also got to realize like you're just one person. Exactly. Uh, I think it's a major pitfall in the spiritual life. Let's talk uh, about that a little yeah, bit. Uh, yeah. Taking yourself too seriously. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah Let's explore I th- that. I think that's a How part you- of being an amateur. You have the freedom mm. to not take yourself so seriously. You know, no, I'm not God's man of the hour of power. Uh, mm. I'm just. <laughs> You know, I'm just an assorted dork working his way, working, or, you know, we've, I, I have told younger people who have a tendency to kind of be enthralled by us here, mm. which is kind of ridiculous, right? Right. <laughs> but nevertheless, I guess you got to be enthralled by something. So, and so I've, I've used the phrase, you know, look, uh, we're, we're just a, a, don't forget, we're all just a bunch of assholes trying to work out our spirituality mm. out here. Uh, or I'll say, you know, uh, uh, you know, God sends people to the desert to punish them for a time, <laughs> and because they're His sons and daughters, you know, He's He's disciplining His His own children, right, right, right. so He sends you to the desert. But those of us who were born and came out of the desert and remain in the desert were the children of the devil, and so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and so you, you just, I think it's important to not take yourself so seriously because uh, uh, I think it was Nadia Bowles Weber uh, on, on her podcast. I think it was, I think she said it or her guest said, I don't, mm. I don't remember, but she said, if, if I can get God to co-sign mm. on my bullshit, then I don't have to uh, look at my own evil desires, my wrong motivations, my, the way I manipulate others. Uh, I can call it all God's will and get away with mm. it. And so that, so then the ego gets away scot-free uh, and you call it God's will. And, and you know, and you've seen, we've, you know, I can point to larger, uh, you know, larger than life examples of televangelists who think that if they fall uh, and, and those donations stop, that one third of the gospel effort on the planet will, you know, uh, you know, you laugh at them now, but uh, at the time it was but, real. It was a real thing. Yeah, they really did. They believe their own hype, yeah. and and so we do on our own smaller scale. We do the same right. thing, and 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 so you know, early on we had some professional monks visit us, and they were not impressed. <laughs> what do you What do you mean by professional monks? Just for the I I know what you mean, but like they were in the a, context of people listening. I think this particular group were from the, I think the secular Franciscans, mm. you know, they, so they're, they're bonafide. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they got their they, credentials. They got the seal of approval yeah, from Francis. And they, and they were doing the, you know, real monastic work, you right. know, and, you know, work and prayer, uh, that kind of thing. And, uh, and so they, they came out here for dinner for our, our meal that we have. And, and they, yeah, they weren't impressed by our, our lax, uh, schedule, <laughs> right? Uh, the way that we raised our kids, uh, you could tell, you know. Uh, Do the secular Franciscans have kids? Yeah, yeah. You could okay. be married and, and interesting. Uh, yeah, I did not know that. 
Anyways. Yeah, it's a huge, it's huge force, the secular Franciscans. Yeah, I knew, um, I knew, I, I guess I just didn't know th- though that specific detail. I knew it was a rather larger yeah. group of... In fact, there's another group called the Ecumenical Franciscans. Okay. So you don't have to be Roman Catholic. Uh, so, I so think anyway. there's an ecumenical church in Crucis, Catholic church. Interesting. Yeah, I, I went to there for, for a time and... Of course. In fact, it might, the name, I think, has Francis in it, oh. now that I think about it. And anyways. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Down here. So, yeah, yeah. So, so at first, you know, I was disappointed, you know, like, oh, we didn't impress them. We didn't, but the, we didn't meet there. <laughs> but as we, <laughs> you know, as we had the longevity and 10 years went by and then a, another five kind of thing, I realized maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We're slacker monks. And, and so I, you know, I felt comfortable owning that, mm-hmm. you know. Or, and, and, and you know, so it's the same thing, you know. Well, you guys aren't really good at what you came out here to do, and, and we'll say, well, we didn't say we were good at it; <laughs> just said we were trying. And, well, yeah, so. and I think there's something about um, seeking. Yeah, there's exactly. something important about seeking, um, and especially in a sustainable way. Yeah, and it's like what you said earlier: the the amateur ministry, if you will, that that route. And not taking yourself so serious. Rule 62. 62. I was going to say 63. Uh, rule 62. Uh, I think it it makes it a third route for beginner's mind. Mm. Uh, what the Buddhists call beginner's mind. What, yeah. what the Christian scriptures would say, renew day by day. Uh, the mind of Christ renewed in you day by day. Uh, or repentance. The idea of repentance, which is renewal seeing things differently, changing your perspective. Um, and so it's, it's critical for the spiritual life to have beginner's mind. And, and so could you give some examples in your life where that beginner's mind has uh, helped you maybe change on a stance or just yeah. evolve in a certain way, uh, sort of in, in a practical sense? Because it, it's a very lofty idea where like, oh, I'll keep a beginner's mind. Right, like, yeah. What, what, okay, what does that mean? Yeah, it it comes. I, I think it's connected to silence for sure, because then you uh, you don't have your agenda. Si- the practice of silence, especially in a community, uh, knocks down our our BS agendas that we have for one another. Mm. And so it allows me to see. Uh, well, let's just say in any relationship, like my wife, we've been married for almost thirty years. Oh, wow. so it's very easy to. You know, as, as the saying goes, uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm. So, so you have to fight against that in a relationship, whether it's a, a marriage, a friendship, uh, a family, or a community. Right. Uh, where where you have decided who that person is already, you have an, a set mm. idea of who that person is, and you expect nothing else and nothing more from them, and and so that has to be that. That idea that you have of that person is an idol, is is a is a it's a plaster yeah. statue that you made of them. Well, it's got to be shattered so you can see that person in a new way again, and 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 see things about them that you had never, you know, rediscover things mm-hmm. or discover new things about each other. And then community can be renewed. Your marriage can be renewed. Your friendship can be can find a new chapter uh, through that process. So that's that's. One, you know, and so the same it is with God. I have ideas of God, but those ideas of God are not God. Mm-hmm. And then there's because they're know, just my ideas, exactly. Or, or sometimes not even my ideas. Someone has lent me their ideas, yeah, and I bought into exactly. Them. And so by not taking yourself too seriously, uh, your ideas. So then you don't take those ideas so seriously, mm-hmm. and and you're able to uh, not be so identified with them. That you can release them, and that means new perspectives can come in. New growth can come. Yeah, in. Yeah, and, and changes, and so we got to, you know, we got to know that our egos. All of us have an ego, and 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 what our ego is trying to do most of the time, twenty four hours a day, is to keep the status quo, mm-hmm. and to keep any kinds of changes from happening. And, and so, uh, beginner's mind allows you to to be more flexible with. With reality, because reality is always in flux and always changing. Yeah. Community is always changing because they're human beings. Well, I think, too, with that idea of like creating this little mental statue, um, if you don't, whether it's God or another human being, if you don't smash that statue, 
they will smash it for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And circumstances, the, the nature of reality yeah. will, because it's fluid. Yeah, yeah. it will definitely smash it. And it goes a lot better when you smash it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or don't build it in the first place, you know, yeah, but that's it, not, that's a, that's a tall order as well. Right. If, if you, if you really engage in that beginner's mind and set your life up for that, yeah, you might, you might get to maybe 10 minutes of your entire life of never building the statue in the first place. Well, <laughs> it, it just, it's, it's one of those things too, that when we set something in stone, um, it's not healthy in the sense of the, what we're talking about, but it's it, it helps our brain process the yeah. day because we just like okay that's that and that's that and yeah. you know our, our brain is very uh, friendly with black and white stuff yes and no stuff binary exactly. stuff but um, unfortunately or actually no fortunately life isn't set up that way right it's it's exactly. a wave it's an ever ever changing wave and the ebbs and flows and. Um, and that's, I think that's why it's so hard to, to keep from making those statues, whether yeah, it's you know, exactly. so a big lofty idea like God or something as, as trivial as, as uh, you know, something you're watching on TV or, you know, it, the classic example is when a TV show goes away for three, four or five years and then they try to bring it back and oh, everyone's yeah. like, oh, no, this one's not as good as the yeah, the yeah. old one. <laughs> Which is not true. Kirby enthusiasm, the later, <laughs> he, it gets better and better. So I just wanted to put that plug out for Larry David. <laughs> right, my, yeah. My patron saint. So, um, so yeah, so so I guess, I guess where uh, I would like to sort of use these last few minutes is when we take, you know, when we take uh, this idea of not taking ourselves so seriously – when we we try to keep that beginner's mindset and this idea of of um, being amateurs, right? Like like yeah. doing it for the love of of whatever the task is. What what would you point to someone like? How do you practice these these three things? Like how how can you introduce these three things? Um, if if these ideas are somewhat new to you in the context of your spiritual life, mm-hmm. sort of what 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 direction would you point someone to to gradually bring these things in on a you know a daily basis or a weekly type basis i don't know uh i i don't know if i said this on another podcast but I, there there was a group i was partially a part of it was a book discussion and mm. and they're highly educated and affluent people this particular group and and all white, uh, and um, and the book was on racism in America, <laughs> and so they had a lot of great ideas, didn't they? Right. And uh, and and so if I were, and no one asked me for the advice, so I never gave mm-hmm. that advice. But if I were to give that group advice, I would I would venture to guess none of them had even heard of the name Dave Chappelle. Mm-hmm. And I would say, yeah, go uh, watch the the reruns of his original Comedy Central. Uh, show and his latest stand-up. Well, even even his early stand-up. There's his first one. I think was "Killing Me Softly" or "Killing Them Softly." Yeah, it holds up. Yeah. So, so you know, I I, I don't think you can even be a white person and and claim you know anything about uh, racism and not know Richard Pryor, not know mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle, not know uh, um, I forget his first name Mooney. He just passed away. He was oh. co-creator with Richard Pryor. And on uh, well, he and was on Dave the Sh- Chappelle. He was yeah. on the Chappelle show, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mooney was that's, his last name. Mm, that's uh, where I knew him. The I knew him night. from the skits on on the Mooney. <laughs> yeah. Or I knew Mooney, the comedian, because of skits on Dave Chappelle's show. Exactly, and and so I, I would start with something simple like that. Go to where the laughter is, and where you'd be so offended, and 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 it would be jarring to you to watch, because uh, it would definitely shake you. When it goes Dave back, Chappelle, I laugh because he makes me very uncomfortable. And it lets you know how serious you take things. Exactly. If you can't watch Dave Chappelle, probably the the comedian of our generation. Yeah, yeah. The comedian of the last 21 years. Really, truly. Yeah, yeah. If you can't laugh at that, there's th- this idea of seriousness is, has deeply planted its roots. Yeah. Or, yeah, go watch a Mel Brooks movie. And see see how you react. Notice yourself how you're reacting. And you know, 
And what do you do with the uncomfortable feeling, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, Blazing Saddles, I don't think that movie could be couldn't. made today, right? Well, <laughs> even the, the, some of the stuff from Step Brothers, which was only 10 uh, yeah, years ago. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They so, couldn't make that today. So so watch, yeah, watch a movie made by uh, a Jewish comedian or an African-American comedian and see how you respond. Maybe maybe that's a, a simple start, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it. I think it hits. It hits all those three things. One, it hits us being amateurs because we're telling people <laughs> to go watch stand up comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, just go, 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 laugh or something. No, but but uh, in seriousness, it hits this idea of not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah, uh, sort of entering that realm of of comedy, um, a beginner's mindset, right? Like if if you've never seen these comedians whether it's their skit shows or their stand up yeah. and you're willing to go embrace that even if it's for 15 minutes yeah that's going to give you that that shows you're at least open minded to this beginner's mindset if you're willing yeah. to encounter something you've never encountered before exactly and if you're offended that we would even bring that up uh, you're part of the problem that is your problem right yeah. there you you've got to stick up your uh, certain orifice uh, that you named <laughs> What's, what's the name of the stick? You know, <laughs> name it. And then you, that's the first step to removing it. Yeah. <laughs> and getting better. Uh, so getting, getting out of that place yeah. of denial. Or, or yeah, or, or uh, if you're a, an affluent white suburbanite, uh, but you, you want to have beginner's mind, uh, uh, <laughs> listen, you know, uh, listen to Public Enemy mm. from the 80s and see how you feel about that, you know, uh, or, or uh, you know, any of the, the, what they call gangster rap, uh, or even, you know, or even the, of the eighties and see how you react to that. And the, why are they saying these things? The one that came to mind for me was rage against the machine. Yeah. All right. If you're not you into know, the whole rap thing, if you want to listen to someone <laughs> yelling about at you about something they they, yeah. they articulate really well, some, yeah. some, uh, great political points. Um, yeah. And, or you know, the most punk musically. rock band of the last 30 years, the chicks, <laughs> <laughs> go listen to them, see how you, you know, so yeah. And, and if you're, yeah, if you're offended by foul language, uh, and that, that kind of thing, um, you get no extra points of righteousness really. Well, and the things we're, we're recommending, if you're offended by by foul language, then these things were recommended. You're going to be offended. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just be forewarned. So, <laughs> that's so, so, but, yeah, line, so better so. to be def uh, offended by something that you're subjecting yourself to mm. than when reality will bring it to your doorstep. Yeah, and you'll be offended in a way that breaks relationships, well, breaks I, friendships of you know that kind of thing. Yeah, and 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 also I, I think it's important to point out we're not talking about faux um, outrage. No, you know, outrage, no. outrage, quote unquote, outrage. It gets you uh, points, you know, on your social media yeah. feed. You know, it, it's it, these. There's things. There's terrible atrocities that are happening across the world exactly. right now that are that we completely ignore. Exactly. You know, and and there's things that are happening in pop culture that people get overly offended about. Um, yeah, exactly. Because that's what's right in front of them, right? The outrage machine, yeah. yeah and, and, so. it f and it fuels the the left and the right, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. not. Yeah. It, it goes, yeah, all, all people, and including myself, you know, there's there's things I'm I'm unaware of that are, uh, yeah. that are you know, bringing really terrible stuff to the world. And, and you know, there's there's silly things that, that I get get caught up in. So I'm, I'm not not claiming to be above it either. Um, right. Yeah. We're all subjected to it, yeah. to, uh, media manipulation and those kinds of things. Well, Mr. Morrison, an hour already went by. We worked in Dave Chappelle. We worked in Abraham. We Richard worked Pryor. in Pryor. <laughs> Larry we David. In John. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Ringo. Uh, <laughs> there we go. We got Ringo in there. So, uh, thank you everyone, uh, thank for you. listening. Um, you know, and it, it, I, I guess the the last parting words I'll I'll leave with and give uh, give David a chance. But just um, look look for one area in your life this week where uh, you can, uh, or, or maybe it's not even in your life yet. But this idea of being an amateur, you know, maybe yeah. you used to draw, maybe you used to 
to sing, you know, whatever it might be, but uh, reintroduce something that you love to do that you've gotten away from um, and bring, bring that amateur love for whatever it is back into your life and, um, you know, pass that, pass that along to uh, people around you. And I don't know if you yeah. have any, any parting words. Yeah, it goes to look at the angels in the trees again. Learn how to see them again, you know? Yeah. And then laugh at yourself for looking at them. Yeah. And laugh at yourself from leaving them, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, give yourself sooner. grace. So, uh, yep. Thank you all for, for joining us uh, once again. Um, this has been Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, dispatches from Dreamwalker Way. Sure, that works. Um, next week, uh, I, actually, I don't know what will be next week. It'll either be another conversation with david and i and or it might be a story from uh road to desert rain so we're, we're in flux right now trying to figure out the schedules and and everything but um but we're we're just putting ourselves out there and uh the ruin.com if you want to read more of the mission statement or the poetry prayers that that uh, david has put out there um you can check that out drcrpod.com is where you can find all the backlog to these um, episodes is you know also apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify all those places uh those drums you hear in the background uh those are monk drums uh, check out monkdrums.com. uh mr jacob netty has has blessed us with those and uh spread the word and we appreciate you our man jacob netty coming in hot <laughs> thank you all <laughs>